noite esperei na lua crescer Brincadeira boa, sentei, espirrei na tua, gripei Por ficar ao léu, resfriei, você me agradou If you've listened to the last few episodes of The Brian Oak Show You'll note that I've uh, sort of adopted a certain aesthetic Embraced a certain aspect during the spring season here As it slowly evolves around us there are those who are detractors or perhaps just lazy that would say elevator music. Brian's gotten into elevator music. But sort of this beautiful, <clears throat> atmospheric, sometimes Latin, sometimes Afro, sometimes Cuban. But this sort of like, you know, I, I, when Lounge came back, everyone called it Space Age Bachelor Pad music. But it's more than that. <laughs> There's so much going on. There are so many talented artists. And there is an art to the understatement. It's music that lends itself equally well to active and passive listening. Like if I lay there with headphones on, Babel Gilberto, who we just heard from right there, brilliant. Who is it? Is that your phone? Oh, yeah, it's your phone. <laughs> That's guest John Eller. Should I take the call? Yeah, take the call. We'll use it as a pre-promotion. <laughs> Hello, this is Brian. Hey, John, how are you? Like right there, Babel <laughs> Gilberto. Like right there, Babel Gilberto, this brilliant Brazilian singer who, of course, her mother was Astrud Gilberto, one of the most celebrated Brazilian musicians of all time. Her father, João Gilberto. Get your head around that name. I believe it's J-O-A-O or J-A-O-A. I don't know for sure. I got to be honest. My Brazilian Real rusty. Well, I know it because she nannied me when I was a kid. Babel? Yeah. Did she? For three years. Okay. Yeah, I was 16. She was 22. You know. <laughs> just, she would just wander around the garden singing I'll that song. You. So, I mean, that you you remember that from your earliest days just right there then. Just always sweating and trying to sing harmony. You know, that's, <laughs> His name is Sean Bernard. My name is Brian Oak. This is episode 144 of the Brian Oak Show. It's a very dramatic and dynamic time in our lives right now. On the plus side, just found out I was able to secure my first vaccination one week from today. I'm going in to get the shot. I have no idea. Yeah, I was so excited when I made the appointment. I didn't. It didn't occur to me to ask. The very first thing my wife was like, well, which one are you getting? Is it J Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Moderna? I'm like, I don't know. Was I supposed to ask? And I have no idea. I just know that we're supposed to be getting the shot, and I'm excited that it's a week away yeah. from my first poke. I kind of said, I don't care what I get. I just want to get something. Let's do it. I got my first one yesterday and uh, by a retired pediatrician, and I know that because I learned about her entire life. She was not in a rush whatsoever. She was fantastic. Her name was Julie, but I, by the end of the 20 minutes that I sat there with her, it was like everything about her life. She, she doesn't have grandchildren yet. She knows there's a global pandemic going on, right? Well, I, I'm looking behind me at the line, and I'm like, let's go, people. Let's go. Let's stick let's get one person, done. get them the hell out, yeah. stick the next one. Let's. I mean, we, we really need to get this thing moving it's along Minnesota, here. It's Minnesota, though, so people feel like they really need to know you inside and out by the end of the conversation. So huh. she's, when I had the COVID, you know, back back about six months ago. She had the COVID, did Oh, she? I had it, yeah. yeah so I yeah. didn't wear the right kind of mask. And oh. so I finally realized I better put on the face shield. Uh -huh. And I did that. And then I, you know, when I got the first shot, it was much worse. Because if you've got the COVID already and you get the first shot, oh, it's just terrible. 
I felt awful. I will tell you this. Uh, my wife got her second shot last Friday. That's right. And she laid in bed for the next 36 hours as though she were clinging to life. I know that some people, the second shot, no big whoop. And yeah. other people, it shuts you all the way down. Whatever the, the spectrum is, she was she was pegging the meter on the bad end of that spectrum. Did it was you make not the good. mistake of saying, well, you don't have a very strong constitution? <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> no, I'm like, can I get you more tea? Would you like some dry toast? And then you just put a little bit of barbiturate in the tea, and they sleep right through all the pain. Everything's fine. Tell me, Governor. Yeah, well, let's not take it too far. And I I was going to go in a little bit into the fact that the entire world is looking at our beautiful little town right now, but I I can't get into it today. Let's let's not let's let's not not. talk about the Chauvin trial today because um, it's just it's too much. There's uh, it's. It turns out after all the body cam footage has been released, you know, you thought you'd seen one of the worst things you've ever seen in your life, mm. literally watching a man being murdered in broad daylight. You know, we're here in the Smart Start MN studio near 48th in Chicago. It was literally less than a mile away from here, 10 blocks away exactly, where George Floyd was murdered in broad daylight by a protector of the peace and the rule. And... Every new piece of information that comes out, every new second of footage that becomes available from security cameras or body cameras, it's more, it's hard to imagine that it's possible, but it's more horrific than it was before. Okay, I just have to say this one quick thing. Get it out of your system and then we're moving on. It's shut the fuck up about the fact that he was a drug addict. We know he was a drug addict. What else does the defense have? The defense has nothing. Guess what else? So is fucking Rush Limbaugh. And nobody stuck a fucking knee on his neck. Uh, and let him lay there for four and a half minutes after he was fucking unconscious. So I just had to say that because I'm so fucking sick and tired of p- people on social media, especially old white guys going, oh, oh, he was a drug addict. He was going to die anyway. Bullshit. Bullshit. If you're a trained professional, you get that guy, you know, yeah, he probably was on drugs at the time. Didn't mean he was ready to die. Didn't mean that was his day for death from dr- for drugs. Didn't mean he deserved to die either. Never. No, never. he didn't die because nope. he was a drug addict. No. He was breathing so when the cops the were there. So shut the fuck up about that, people. I, well, there we go. I mean, you know, I'm, I've applied for a couple of jobs recently, and if any of those people are listening to the podcast right now, that was Sean that was swearing like that. <laughs> that was me. But Sorry. I do share his sentiment entirely um, because there's just... The defense doesn't have a leg to stand on, so that's why the defense keeps taking that angle as well. Like, yes. well, you know, he is a known drug addict, and he was trying to pass a bad 20. And in my head, I'm thinking, all right, let's 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 go ahead and amplify that scenario they're trying to project. Let's say he was out of his mind on PCP, and he wasn't trying to pass a bad 20. He was trying to pass thousands of bad bills, maybe a bad stock or bond. Doesn't mean you deserve to die. And twenty minutes, even be- if that was the case. And twenty minutes before that, he did something that you and I couldn't do: stone cold sober, side lunges. <laughs> he was doing. He was doing side lunges in Cup Foods. Yeah. In the store, and I'm like, holy shit! I mean, I've been wasted before. Yeah. There's no fucking chance. I I can't do side lunges now. No, I could. I could take care of about two. So, our our hearts are with all of the family and all the victims yes. and the people who are having to relive this hideous trauma yep. as the entire world watches. It's um, remember how we weren't going to talk about it? Yeah, can't help it though, man. It's it's, 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 it's brutal. It's just it, and it, it, the fact that it, you know Ground Zero is ten blocks from here, and if the jury doesn't get this right. If Minnesota doesn't get this right, if America doesn't get this right, our cities are going to burn yes, again. Yes. And this time, last time I was scared and I knew less than I know now, 
And even though this is my city and I live very, very close to some areas that burned and man, they just rebuilt the gas station that burned down by my house. Um, if America doesn't get this right and if the jury doesn't get this right and if we as human beings don't get this right, maybe our shit does deserve to burn again. Yeah, this is about dignity. This is about treating Humanity. another human being like a human being regardless of their race or their addiction or their size. Uh, any reason why you're afraid of them. And that whole argument of we were worried about the mob and the crowd when you pan oh around and you God. look, they, like, just, really? they have nothing. They have nothing. Yeah. So this excruciating exposure and, and digging into because you have to go through the process is going to continue. But there's only one answer here and everybody knows it. And for the record, black lives matter. We are going to be talking to a Minnesotan coming up next who I met years ago. Um, and well, actually, when I finally met him face to face, I was afraid because I was worried that he and his band were there to kick my ass at a surprise <laughs> birthday party because we'd had a little fun at their expense for a long time on the radio, me and my buddy Steve Nelson. But it turns out he's just an amazing dude, a great musician, clever, interesting, very talented visual artist as well. Shane Galvin will be joining us here just ahead on the Brian Oak Show. But I wanted to hear a little more Minnesota music and because I knew we would probably talk Floyd and I knew my hackles would start to come up in my shoulders... We'll get a little stressed. I want to hear something a little mellow with some female vocals. And this is the Minnesota band Now Now, a song called SGL on The Brian Oak Show.
we don't get to pick what we love, right, Sean? Correct. I mean, like, whether it's food, like, you see everybody eating something, you're like, oh, that must be delicious. I'm going to go have some of that. And you put it in your mouth, and it tastes like cold cat turds or whatever the case may be. Warm cat Uh, turds. I had a Brian Oak special for lunch today. What'd you have? Because I was in a rush. (gasps) What'd you have? Peanut butter toast. Dude. Don't say it like that. It may be simple, but no, some of, some so of the good. most important things in life are in their simplicity. Be like the wind. Be like water. Dark jet black coffee and a piece or two yes. of peanut butter toast is literally my... And I love all the fixings. I love a giant breakfast. I can go deep on breakfast food. Favorite meal of the day. <clears throat> but when I'm in a hurry or I'm just doing my yeah. thing by myself, watching shitty news as it unfolds on television a cup of jet black coffee and two pieces of peanut butter toast now i will tell you this if you're still in pursuit of trying to lose weight that is not a dietary special sean okay there's carbs there's sugar there's fat it's all there for you but i'm doing my stupid stupid spin cycle later today so i could eat it because the doctor told me i had to lose do you go to spin class no because that's super lame do you do one of those at-home things where like a virtual spin instructor is like you've got this one sean (laughs) no but what i do is i record it and then at the end of like when i finish this in a year i'm going to send you every single video If you think I don't respond to your texts, just <laughs> wait Wait until I ignore all your oh, videos. Brian. Before we get to today's guest, I want to thank Smart Start MN. Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition lock, uh, inter- ignition interlock company. They also were the primary and first sponsor of the Brian Oak Show. Before we recorded episode one, they're like, yeah, we're in. I'm like, who are these crazy people? Well, it turns out Ed and Mike are not at all crazy people. They're very smart people. They're very good people. And they were there at the beginning of Minnesota's ignition interlock interlock system being created. Now, a lot of carpetbaggers have come along and tried to move in on it, but this is the company that worked with the state of Minnesota to make sure that if you have a DUI, DWI, whatever you want to call it, you can get back into your car safely, legally, and for a lot less money than you otherwise might expect to happen. You're going to need to get back to driving, even if you fucked up. And let's be honest, if you're calling these guys, you or someone you love, you fucked up. And that doesn't mean your life is over. It doesn't mean that everything's ruined, but you are going to need help getting back to where you were before. It does doesn't even necessarily mean that you were guilty because in Minnesota you lose your license right away and then you go to court later on and you may or may not be guilty. And that but, could take months and you don't yes, have months. You need to get back to living your life. Yes, it could. Go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. You'll get 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. My God, I knew we were going to go too long. That's why I didn't want to bring up George Floyd, but let's be honest. Is there anything more important happening in our city? I want to say hello to Shane Gallivan. Hi, Shane Gallivan. Hi, Mr. Oak. How are you? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good, Ben. Um, I just want to, you know, I don't, I, I, you sent me a bio and I, it, it mimics your style and personality so well because it really tells me almost nothing about you, but also, <laughs> but also tells me a lot of things about you. Like I know you as a musician, at least that's how we first cross paths, right? This is true. And at one point you wrote this in bullet points and you wrote, played some music, painted some stuff, traveled a bit, which is damning you with such faint praise. So let's go back to the beginning for people. I I met you in the band Crudler, but I'm not talking about that beginning. When you played with Crudler, uh, a good friend of ours, Tony Zaccardi, who was also recently on the show with the reopening of Palmer's, and we go back a long ways with he's been on the show a couple times. Tony Zaccardi, also a member of Crudler. That was what that, the first time. And also time. a good friend of mine, too. It, well, exactly. Love I mean, the Tony. I would assume yeah, Who doesn't so, love I mean, the Tony? You gotta love the Tony. Zaccardi, has gotta love the Zaccardi. We all have an appetite for Zaccardi. Oh, it's, it's a huge appetite. <laughs> Almost like peanut butter toast. <sighs> Oh, damn, that shit's good, though. Put, I had put some, some peanut morning. butter on Tony? 
Ooh. Oh, what what just happened? I don't know, but it got sexy in here. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Oh, All right, Sean, you were born where? In St. Paul, capital city. Capital, the silver city of, or is that Minneapolis? Which one's the silver city? I don't know. I just know. All right, capital so, city. All right, very good. So you, I mean, so you are born and raised Minnesotan. I am. Okay, very good. Now, as you mentioned, though, you've traveled quite a bit. So you grow up, and in one part of your bio, you wrote. Your mom's dad was a Lutheran minister. Your dad's dad owned a bar. This is correct. Is there any... So Lutheran minister on one side, when dad's dad owned a bar, is there any Catholicism anywhere in there? Did you manage to avoid that trap? My father's dad was Catholic, um, and my mother's dad was Lutheran. Okay, <laughs> so, very good. Yeah, uh, and but they both... Uh, the bar was in St. Paul, mm-hmm. downtown, and the... The church was also kind of near downtown St. Paul. Got it. Um, Had my mom and dad stayed together longer, maybe there could have been some weird stuff happening at the... uh, I understand. I don't know. But um, yeah, I I don't... It it was just kind of odd to me thinking that how did my mom end up walking into the bar and hanging out with my dad who worked at the bar. Right. Yeah. And these so, things happen. So you're born in St. Paul. You grew up and go to school in St. Paul? Uh, Cottage Grove. So, Cottage Grove. Okay. Yeah, I'm so, a so. Coon Rapids guy myself, which uh, never goes over well. Everyone I meet that's interesting and cool is from the cities themselves. Like, I, I don't ever <laughs> meet anybody who's like, oh, yeah, man, grew up in Evergrove Heights, you know, or like, oh, yeah. yeah, man, grew up in Rogers. Like, I grew up in Coon Rapids, and there's not anything cool about that. I feel similar about Cottage Grove, except for there was the gold rush. Which what what was is that? Never cool. Well, <laughs> um, it used to be skate time, and then they changed oh, it into nice. a nightclub. Oh, and it was a nightclub where it was probably around your time where they they let uh, eighteen and under, or was it? I missed yeah, that window. I missed. I'm only a couple of years older than you. You know, right? I know I look significantly older than no, you, no. but um, only a couple of years older than you. And, and so, no, I missed that. But I'm thinking Vanilla Ice played there <gasps> at the Gold Rush. At the Gold Rush, For it was real? actually called after the Gold Rush. Oh yeah, but everybody just called it the Gold Rush. So one or of the, the reasons rush. I do know the Rush, or I knew it as after the Gold Rush because it was not near to my home. But uh, no, when CR I was a teenager, is far from CG. Yeah, exactly. But when I was a teenager, we loved going to all age dance places like and that's your, what this was. your widgets and that sort of thing and somebody mentioned there was one called after the gold rush and so me and all of my nerdy john hughes high school type <laughs> oddball friends from pretty in pink went there one time and what we found is it was a teen dance place but it wasn't like the kind of cool alterna kids teen, teen dance place we thought like we were used to going to these weird little places like ubop and and widgets that would play violent femmes and the cure mm-hmm. this was a very different animal than that so once again we kind of hung off to the side because we're like this would be a great place to get our teenage asses kicked yeah i think stacy q has played a bunch oh and, well, and again uh, i got nothing against that music no, at I, all I, but just, it's just we we expect if you're looking for the films you are going to get it there that place though was massive this after the golders place it yeah was it was huge, it was huge. A, so we were in awe we kind of loved it yeah, yeah exactly all right and so i'm sorry how did we get to the gold rush again uh, you asked if there was anything cool in Cottage Grove. Got it. All right. And or so, there was nothing cool in, in Coon Rapids. Very little. Very yeah. uh, Other than a handful of people I met, we found a little enclaves here and there. So you grew up there. And then what, like, so as you're, you know, growing from preteen, adolescent, you know, young man, still in school, what, does it want to, what do you want to do with your life, young man? What is it you want to do with your life? <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. And I, I hated it 
hated being asked that, uh-huh. and I would be asked that, and I say, I don't know, like I magured figure it out at some point. Right. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen, no. does it? Because I never had a single idea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, well, at some point, though, music becomes part of your equation. When does that happen? I believe after I was introduced to the Beatles, I think, I was like, wow, that's kind of amazing what they did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it'd be cool to try that, you know, and write songs. And I've, I didn't want to be the Beatles, and they're pretty good. I don't yeah, know if you've heard of them. Good. Well hmm. put, Shane. Well put. <laughs> not bad. They did okay. Yeah, they did all right for themselves. Uh huh. For the lads from Liverpool. But they were your initial inspiration for making music. Yeah, they were the first time that I that, and uh, you know that's why I when I saw those promo videos for Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields when I was thirteen, that was like the first time that I. I know Friday Night Videos was probably out at the time, mm-hmm. but the first time that it really brought the the musician to me rather than just being on the radio and always thinking, well, that's what those musician people do. They tour, they make records, they get played on the radio. And I didn't really connect with the fact that that can be done by anybody. Well, it seems so far away, right? Yeah, like, it seemed I mean- like that's what you, uh, it was uh, partitioned off as... You know, you, you've got uh, doctors and you've got the musician people. Right. And then you got me who doesn't know what the hell I want to do with my life. Right. Um, but it was that, that first, it's seeing those two videos or promo, promo shot, shot videos or whatever they were, um, made me start listening to the Beatles and listening to, I started buying all their albums. And this was before they combined the, the British and the American capital and was it EMI that they were on in England. So they had different records. Um, and I always wanted the imports from England. So I would go to, So you somehow were lucky enough to be cool when you were young. Cause I'd never got that cool gene. I'm like, I don't care. I'll just buy this. But you wanted the, you wanted the British version. The the import. Yeah. And and that got me to go to like Northern lights in St. Paul. There was Mm -hmm. one on one on university and there was one in White Bear or on White Bear Avenue, so East St. Paul. Mm-hmm. I didn't, the kids from the, you know, the south side of St. Paul didn't always go down to uh, Minneapolis all that often. Right. Because we had to, you know, deal with our side. Uh, not <laughs> that we were the Sharks and the Jets or anything not like quite, that. But, you know, but, but having, you know, I've lived in Minneapolis now for, my God, since 1987. Um, so I put my time in, right? Was that a good 35 years, almost 34 years? Um, in that time, the number of people I've met with roots in either of those cities, I mean, St. Paul people are freakishly proud. And Eastsiders are perhaps the most dangerously... Rock side. R- it, exactly. Dangerous is a good well, word to describe the Peppercorns on St. Paul's Rock and East Side. <laughs> um, yeah, no, the pain relief. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so in any event, but I mean, like, so it's not quite the Sharks and the Jets, but the divisions, as much as, as an adult, you could be like, oh, St. Paul's boring. Oh, Minneapolis is too full of itself and too expensive there are actual as weird and esoteric and lame and let's be honest frankly white as they may be there are some the differences between the philosophies and attitudes on either side of the river yeah and i was okay with embracing capital city especially when crudler was playing tony tim and i all lived in st paul so we would just say rather than say we're 
Crudler from Minneapolis. No matter where we were, we were just Crudler from Capital City, St. Paul. Nice. Well, because, hey, look, when kids are growing up in Tennessee or Utah and they have to learn all 50 state capitals, you know what? You grew up in the Montpelier of Minnesota. <laughs> All right. Wow. You are a wise man. Thank nice. you so much. Before we move forward to the Crudler era, I want to get some music in because I hate to go too long without a song. And I know we just brought up the Beatles. But before we get there, because I feel like you maybe put these in chronological order growing up, even before you put, you know, before you pick up a guitar, before you decide I'm going to be a singer, before the Beatles actually propel you to feeling like maybe even you could make music. We all grew up with music, right? Like listening to the radio oh, yeah. or digging through our parents' record collections. That's their eight tracks. Oh, too. oh yeah. My parents never had an eight track. They had a great record yeah. collection. Great record collection, but I think no eight track. My dad had an eight track in his car. Nice. Yeah, first time I heard Tutti Fruity or Janis Joplin eight track. Yeah. Really? Yeah. The only yeah. program I ever one, knew. program two. Uh, but, <laughs> then, but then if you fast program forward, four. you got to like go through the entire damn oh, yeah. thing to get right. back to your song. Well, you can't. There was there was a really fancy eight track one. I think that you could fast forward within the program. Right. Otherwise, you had to jump to the next program. Right. So and is the program three songs, two it's songs. Like, Three to four, I okay, think, right, program, right, right. if I recall. But if you hit that forward <laughs> button, you're jumping all those songs. Yeah, exactly. So you, I mean, yeah. you've got to sit through some, well, not unlike the album, I guess, in a way, but with an eight track, I mean, like, let's say the first song in the program's great, the second and third one are trash, and the fourth one's great. You can't just fast forward to the fourth one. If you go forward, you blow past that fourth great song. Yeah. Well, you, you'd skip the, you'd skip, uh, wherever you hit the, the, forward button you skip to the next program so you could miss whatever you wanted to hear at the end of program one you know for your first song you picked one of my favorite american voices of all time oh wow uh not only an incredible songwriter mm. but just the tenor of his voice yeah, right like beautiful. i mean like i can feel the same way about karen carpenter right like mm-hmm. some of the songs i can take some of them i can leave but i could literally listen to her sing anything and i feel the same way about jim croce Tell me why you, how you came to this song and why you picked this particular song. Well, when I was growing up, uh, I, was, I lived in Newport um, for the first six years of my life. And my mom always had music going on in the background, usually on an A-track. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jim Croce was one of them. I, I kind of like picked this song as an amalgamation of, of a lot of different music my mom listened to. But it was always kind of melodic easy to hear you know you playing with whatever pseudo legos we had in the <laughs> 70s um and uh it, it remind she also played like a lot of gordon lightfoot mm-hmm. some tom t hall some johnny cash but jim croce when i found out he died in a plane crash oh. i was like blown away yeah. it scared me off of planes because he was like such a element of my youth at that time without even knowing it's really in my head. It was just always around me. And it evokes such great images in my head of being, they're kind of like kind of fuzzy, faded 70s images too. Mm-hmm. Like Photographs with the rounded corners. That sort yeah. of thing. It's, it's like the beginning of the Rockford Files, you know, when he's oh. grabbing his jacket. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember exactly what was happening, but those little images are burned mm-hmm. into my head and it comes out every time I hear this kind of music, like whether it's Gordon or Jim. Like, we're on a first name basis. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, the, it's 
so to me, it's like the start of music taking hold in without me knowing it. Like, I don't know. I don't think my mom had a master plan or anything. She was cleaning and had two kids and would set us down with the dog and, and, you know, pop in an eight track. And this is the way we went. One of my favorite things about Jim Croce, so I came to Jim Croce a little bit later. You know, my entree to music was radio and what my parents had in their collection. And they by no means were the most adventurous people on the planet, but they dug some cool stuff. My mom was into more of the folky 60s stuff, right? Um, and, and the Beatles and some Beach Boys. And my dad was into a little bit of the heavier stuff like Cream and Neil Young. But... Um, now it's very cool and very accepted to like him, but when I was the age you're talking about, when you first come across Jim Croce, 
for me, my Jim Croce, I came to him years later, and I do adore him dearly, and I, I equate him in, in certain ways with the singer-songwriter I'm about to bring up, um, John Prine. Now, John Prine was not a household name for a long time. Among singer-songwriters, he was absolutely a household name, and among people who were songwriter fans back in the, you know, from the very earliest part of the 70s on, his was a well-known name, but he had a gift sort of like, he had this very distinct voice, but he had a similar gift to Jim Croce in that he could write songs that were hilarious, had a wink and a nod, sardonic, sometimes out loud funny, you know, great storytelling songs. And then on a dime, he could turn and write a song and literally break your heart completely open, like a gifted, gifted songwriter with an amazing voice. I, I'm trying to remember there are a handful of like sort of low rent documentaries on Jim Croce. And one night as I was falling asleep, I watched one and it was brilliant to watch his story because here was the tale of somebody who, despite the number of hits he'd had, had been consistently screwed by the industry. You're not familiar with any of that, are you, Shane? The industry's been pretty good to you so far? Oh, totally, yes. Okay. <laughs> the industry are down. The retirement packages. I mean, he, oh, was, great. he was still going on tour and things like that were happening, but he actually decided, like, okay, you know, he was at sort of a precipice of, like, I've had hits, like actual honest-to-God hits, and I'm not making any money, and I don't ever get to see my family. He had a wife and some beautiful kids, and he really, that, so that's when he moved to upstate New York, right? And he was like, I'm done. I, I'm going to take some time off, and yeah. if we're going to keep doing this, I'm doing this on my terms. And then, of course, he went out to do a few dates, and on one of them, as the plane took off, it clipped some trees, and it killed him and most of his band, and um, and that was the end. You know, And when you look back at how really pretty short his career was, the legacy he left behind is sort of mind-bending. Yeah, so technically it wasn't the end because we still are left with his music precisely thank so, you and that's yeah. excellent perspective i just i mean it makes you wonder like oh, but it makes me sad that he like as a six-year-old i i i didn't own like all of his albums right but uh i now as i'm older i wish he, i could have seen what he would have done you know beyond that well time. if you look online there, there are a couple of great documentaries i think one is called i got a name and i also think that um Oh, there's a double LP that is really worth getting. I think it's sort of an entree called either I Got a Name or The Faces I've Been. It's one of the two. It's named after one of his songs, and I can't okay. remember it off the top of my head. But Jim Croce is a great, great artist. We'll talk more to Shane Gallivan here in just a second. Bring it back home a little closer. Bring it a little closer to the future, but not entirely because there's some important things I do not want to skip over. But first, we're going to say hi to Sean Bernard. Hi, Sean Bernard. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I know that you... Being a realtor for Edina Realty, 50th and France location, that this is the time of year where people start thinking about it. Now, I spoke with my friend night before last, and he's like, hey, you want to do a fun experiment? I'm like, sure. He's like, go to Zillow right now. I'm like, well, let's not do that. Let's just talk. <laughs> yeah. He's like, go to Zillow, which is like that. a home hunting thing, right? Yeah. Okay. I know it's not what you want to advocate, but here's why he had me do it. He's like, just type in your address and look at the value of your home. And I have to admit, I was a little gobsmacked. Like right now, to sell is an amazing time to sell, but then there's also the the mirror concern. of The reason that it's such a good time to sell is inventory is so low. So where do I move? Are you somebody who can help people navigate that sort of skilla and charybdis, if you know what I'm getting at? I use those terms all the time, good. skill and charybdis. I, no, no. Huge. Greek Huge. mythology, charybdis. bro. When you're, when you're on the Aegean Sea, you can't yeah. go this way, crash into the rocks, yeah. and if you go that way, you'll be eaten by the sea monster. I have charybdis and scoliosis. Oh, no, I thought you were talking well. about Skrillex. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. so, yes, I can, I can help people navigate through that. It depends on where you're at in your life and what you're trying to do. One of the biggest things we need to remember right now is that interest rates are incredibly low. 
And so, you know, you have options. Uh, in some cases, you've been in your place for 20 years and you really want to move mm-hmm. and you should move, but maybe you rent for a couple of years, you know, cash out on whatever, you know, you, you did with your home uh, for that 20 years, cash out when the market is high, is high, just like we learned in high school, you know, free enterprise with the stock market. Buy low, sell high? Correct. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a thing. And when interest rates are as great as they are right now, it is a good time to buy. Uh, you might pay a little bit more, but this is not a truck. This is not a hot tub. This is a home. There was a time in the Twin Cities where we moved every 10 years or so. The average person now moves every five years. So I've said to some people, you know, I don't know if I'd buy a home if you're only going to stay there for three to five years. Uh, but if you're looking at 10 years plus, it'll probably come around. One of the things I'm doing this year uh, to help out local musicians is if I help you buy or sell, I'm donating a portion of that sale to a local musician of your choice. Not my choice, your choice. Unless you can't find a musician that you think would be a good fit, I know about 100 that would gladly take a donation. So call me, 612-859-2594. That number's also textable. So like the pantheon of Greek gods, you will help Homer... And Odysseus navigate the straits of Messina between Scylla and Charybdis. I absolutely will. I love that about you, Sean. Wait, I'll, wait, you can, can you get pause, that on a card? You can you can now pause the podcast and go to Wikipedia. <laughs> Dude, even even in um wrapped around your finger, it will sting. Oh god, I don't really want to create myself oh, with sting. Hole, but hole. he says trap between the Scylla and Charybdis. Dude, this is this is Homerian mythology. This is Greek. I got to be honest, before I dropped out of college, the only class I ever completely <laughs> aced 100% and extra credit was Mythology 101. I fucking and Dungeons love and Greek mythology. <laughs> Listen. I, you know what I should have done? I should have gone into D&D consulting. I would be a I would be a thousand air by now. <laughs> I'm certain that it unfortunately He's still stepping on those seventeen sided die. Twenty. Twenty. You can't make a seventeen sided die. At least not right, one let's that's move on for Christ's sake. I think you could do it. Equivalent. <laughs> so sorry to be wasting your time like this, Shane. Shane Gallivan is so Happy Shane, to be here. we finally, forty minutes into this episode, are moving up to the time where you and I first cross paths. I'm doing a morning show at Rev one oh five and my buddy Steve Nelson and I, we like to have a little fun. It's morning radio, nothing is serious, whatever. We are both huge Simpsons fanatics though. And there is suddenly a Minnesota band making some waves, making a little noise, putting out some interesting music by the name of Crudler. And we just assumed that it was the racehorse that was co-owned by Krusty the Clown and Bette Midler that they named Crudler. Is that, in fact, where the name came from? That is the truth. And so every year when there would be these best of lists or the best of this year, the best of that year, the best of that year, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, and I don't really think you have over the years, we would always say we've never heard in the history of Minnesota music a more important, influential, and a, a band with potentially, potentially the longest lasting legacy of any we can think of, more so than Crudler. Now, it was never ever intended to demean your band, but I think it made people scratch their head like, what the fuck are you talking about? And we loved it. Tell me how Crudler came to be. I went to uh, high school with the drummer, Tim, mm-hmm. um, and we had played, I think I started playing guitar when I was 17, and uh, so we played a couple of talent shows, and Did you have a different band before Crudler? I think we were called Big Hands and Feet. <laughs> you know what they say about big hands and feet? Large gloves they need and large, large gloves. Boots. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Um, Were you a cover band, or did you do original stuff out the gate? We, well, you always kind of start with covers just to learn how to play your instrument. What was the first one that you really felt like you nailed, and I'm looking for some shame here? I mean, was it Wait by White Lion? No, no. We were more into the Beatles, so we were, like, trying to, like, eight days a week. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, really? It's like, so, you mean, you were going for the more pop stuff? Really? Yeah, we were. I mean, and we're talking mid to late 80s here, aren't we? Yes. Okay, because that stuff wasn't hip then, and so, I mean, you're, like, doing the thing that you feel is important, which suddenly makes it hip, in my humble opinion. I don't know if it made it hip at all. We just, uh, we... That's what you wanted to do. Yeah, that was kind of what what our deal was. That's, I, we also book, did like uh, <laughs> I guess if we we were getting a, at that point we were starting to little, listen to a little bit of more alternative. I guess mm-hmm. with, with, so uh, blister in the sun we mm-hmm. would play. A lot, lot of Gene loves Jezebel. Not a whole lot uh, of that, but we did uh, we did some Love and Rockets, <gasps> I believe. Now, see, you're talking about one of my favorite bands of all yeah, time, right there. Love that. So, so then you do that, and you play along for a while, and and how do you get to know our mutual friend and one of the shining lights of the Twin Cities, Tony Zaccardi? We had been a band for a while. We put out, uh, let's see, we put out an EP as Crudler, as Crudler mm-hmm. with a bass player named Andrew Rennie, who we went to high school with also. Then we put out our first um, full length on the lamb. And that was with a bass player named Don, Don Kohlberg, who we called Donnie aces. <laughs> um, he was easy on the eyes. Oh yeah. The ladies enjoyed Donnie aces. Boom, boom. That probably got us a couple of shows. Who cares? Great. I, I'm, yeah. Rock and roll, took right? one for the team, man. <laughs> Uh, Wingman. So, so then I think we put out another album with, with, the, with the Aces. And then sadly to the, our lady friends, he decided that he was done because he, uh, he was in landscape architecture or something. And he was getting close to needing to do more work and right. blah, blah, blah. So Didn't have time to be f- messing around with all your ladybirds and your rock no, and roll action. Rock and roll right, music. Right. And, uh, and then uh, at that point, I think Sadie Foster had broken up and their bass player joined us for his autumn of hedonism is what he called it <laughs> because we were on tour and he's, he always, you know, was, I don't know. It was, it was a crazy time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but we were always kind of looking for another bass player. And at this point we had, we had, um, got another guitar player because I didn't, I wasn't feeling all that comfortable playing and singing all the time. I always thought we needed another guitar player. And so we got Ben Brown who was in a band called the Manta Rays and the Manta Rays had this, had this bass player named Tony Zaccardi and Ben and Tony were good friends since high school or maybe even younger than that. So you know, Tim and I are good friends since we were young. They're good friends. And I think uh, Matt, the bass player, had too much hedonism. <laughs> and uh, One autumn was plenty. Yes, that was enough with, mm-hmm. the, cr- with the crud. So uh, <laughs> we ended up uh, talking to Ben. And we said, do you think Tony would want to join? And Tony was all excited and cool about it. So, uh, so I think that was 1999. 
is when he started playing with us, and then uh, we put out a few more albums. Yeah, you did. Well, and I know that Tony loves to rock, uh, and Crudler loves to rock, and I can't believe that when I asked you to pick out all these songs to play, you didn't pick a single Crudler song. No, I thought that would be overkill. One song? Overkill, way overkill. Really? Maybe a partial. No, I, I, I didn't really know exactly when you told me... I said pick three pick songs. Three so, songs. See, now, said, a lot of people us. who have a musical legacy mm-hmm. that come and no, and you can pick whatever you want. We do not mm-hmm. have to play it. People can go find it on their own. I just most musicians who we have in pick three of their own tunes. I think we should play a Crudler song. The reason is that there may be people that are listening to this that haven't heard it, and like, let's give them a shot. Are you cool with that? Yeah. Is that- Here's what I would like to do, if you don't mind, on air production meeting with the yep. two of you. Let's hear it because I don't want to get too far away from the Beatles influence of this particular, yes. you know, of your your trajectory what if we listen to something beautiful and esoteric and psychedelic by the beatles and go immediately into a song by crudler to show both connection and juxtaposition wow how do you feel about that what a pro yeah you are good <laughs> you have a there great be myth- mythology written about you <laughs> yeah, exactly am i skilla or charybdis well the answer is i might be both Dude, we're going to do a whole show on Skilla and Charybdis. I'm telling you right now. So, and the Skilla Killer. This is uh, this is the Thriller with the Skilla <laughs> and Charybdis. What? Uh, <laughs> I'm down with Charybdis. Another another <laughs> popular Simpsons reference among me and my friends, Dorcas Malorcus, uh, as Bart once famously calls Lisa. What would be a song that we could play? that you would not find embarrassing like looking at baby pictures because I happen to love Crudler, but I would like, as you're the guest, what would you, I mean, we can type in something else. I just have this up right here. All right, so we'll we'll come out with a Crudler song, but first we're going to go into the Beatles, and I know you said these were this was sort of your entree. You saw these videos, maybe Friday Night videos, maybe some other sort of thing. Like, I mean, do you remember where it was you first? Because I'm going to be honest, Magical Mystery Tour, as an, a movie kind of sucks as an album it really it's, it's terrible it's like the monkey's head it's almost unwatchably bad but musically it's one of my favorite eras of all the beatles arc i love this so this this was your do you think maybe this was the first beatles song you ever heard i believe i'd probably heard like i want to hold your hand and she loves you just radio play somewhere right right, right. kq it was, was all playing. over playing the Beatles, Mm -hmm. so I'm sure I heard it. Um, But it was, I guess, putting the visual with with the song, and this one was a little bit different than... I want to hold your hand. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> this one really said, different periods of the Beatles. This right? one said, drugs are cool. <laughs> yeah, it sure did. And only a few years later, which is crazy. You know, like if you think about mm-hmm. 64 yeah. to 69, can you name a band that changed and metamorphosized as much as the Beatles? Not just themselves, but literally the entire yeah, world yes. around them, not only musically, but culturally. Yes. Youth culture was not the predominant focus of worldwide culture until the Beatles came along, it started, but the Beatles literally subverted the dominant paradigm of the world being about what adults wanted to suddenly being about what kids wanted. One of the things I used to watch all the time when I got into the Beatles was the complete Beatles. And mm-hmm. that, I think, is one thing that they constantly said. Well, not constantly. They said that the Beatles were not necessarily innovators. They were popularizers of what that was. So they they might have... But they probably innovated, innovated to make it popular, but they didn't create, the culture created what they were doing in a way. 
They were the main conduit. As yeah. we get into this Beatles song, and then we're going to hear some Crudler immediately afterwards. A, a reminder, as we're fond of saying here on the Brian Oak Show, kids, stay in school. Don't do drugs. You know, tune in, but it's all right. That is, I think it's not too bad. Let me take you down, cause I'm going to Strawberry Fields. Nothing is real, and nothing to get hung about. Strawberry Fields forever. Sometimes think it's me, but you know I know when it's a dream. I think I know, I mean, uh, yes, but it's all wrong. That is, I think I disagree. Let me take you down, cause I'm going to Strawberry Fields.
the music of the legendary Crudler right here on the Brian Oak Show, made possible in part by the good folks at AudioQuip. AudioQuip provides audio equipment. That's what they do. In fact, they provided all the recording equipment, the computer, the microphones, everything in the Smart Start MN Studio made possible by AudioQuip. And now, slowly, let's not rush it. I'm glad everyone's getting their jab. I'm glad everyone's feeling better. I know we're slowly starting to make it better. It's not time for a crowded, sweaty night at the entry yet. Although they're wonderful. Trust me, I've had more than my share of them. They're amazing. We're not quite there yet. But as you start to get back to getting out and playing an outdoor show or needing some equipment, possibly doing a, a TED Talk at a gazebo somewhere, something along those I've lines. I've four lined up right now. AudioQuip is an amazing company. Nate and his entire crew are wonderful people. People, we highly, highly endorse and recommend the fact that you pursue them if you need rental audio equipment. Because not only do they have good stuff, but they're pros. They know what they're doing, and we like working with professionals. Super smart. Nate, at a moment's notice, swung by here when our, our, our sound sounded like shit for a couple episodes. We apologize for that. We met on a Saturday, came in, tweaked some stuff, and... Now we don't sound nearly as bad as we used to. Well, at least not from a fidelity standpoint. True. Content. fidelity. Nate, Nate <laughs> cannot be responsible for quality of content, but he can make sure that the fidelity is up to par. Shane, Crudler uh, goes on this incredible journey throughout the 90s into the 2000s. I know that then Crudler didn't do things for a while, but then like what, back in 2017 or something, there was a, a reunion, a gathering together of the, the Crudler Inns? I thought I saw on the Crudler page on Facebook that you we and... We did get together and practice. And know? write some songs, but it didn't lead to any we sort of... I don't think we wrote any songs. Oh, really? We, we talked about maybe getting together, but I kind of dropped the ball on that. Oh, well, so. these things will happen. Yeah, no no judgment or anything. <laughs> so so were there other musical endeavors for you? And, and really, more importantly, what I want to get to is because I love it when people donate art to this room. And you have been kind enough to donate the brilliant... Planet of the Apes inspired piece over there that says ape shall not kill ape. And just today, <laughs> even you bought, brought a brilliant sort of skull shaped Ned Flanders face that says Oakley, as in get it, Brian Oak, Oakley, Doakley, with lots of interesting writing on the side. When has was painting always part of your artistic expression in addition to music or when? Because you obviously paint a great deal right now, and, or at least with some regularity. I, when, when did that become a regular part of your life? It um it came in later in in it was kind of a replacement for music because I kind of stopped pl- pra- playing with the guys because I, I had an anxiety issue mm-hmm. um, which, coupled with my bipolar uh, which got uh, I don't know it's, it's and then drinking along with all that stuff. Well, these things, as you and I discussed before we started recording, these things are cyclical, right? There are some times where it's okay, and there are other times where everything has to shut down immediately, which is why I'm very thankful you decided to come in today, because we've had guests who are like, their anxiety, and I, I have a complete respect for it, right? Like, I get nervous about things, but there's a difference between nervousness and genuine anxiety. And, I mean, so, like, did when I reached out to you and said, hey, let's be on, let's be on the show, did that induce anxiety? A bit so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think mm-hmm. that's very real. I think it does for a yeah. lot of people. Like, to me, this is rolling out of bed because I sat and talked into a microphone every day for 30 years. And so for me, this is, but for a lot of people, and I've talked to people who maybe even don't even suffer from, you know, proper anxiousness and anxiety, that they're like, I was nervous about doing this. And obviously, this is just our little tree fort right here. The Smart Start MN Studio is a safe space, so I hope you feel better about it now. But but when I first reached out, it was an anxiety inducer? It was an anxiety inducer, and that that's kind of what's, you know, got me out of 
playing in the band because I was starting to freak out about, like, if we played a show at the Turf Club, I would spend all the time until we had to play downstairs behind the Clown Lounge in the back. Right. <laughs> until we had to play, and then I would come out and we would play our show. And and this is different. I, so I think that almost any regular person, let's call them civilians for for the sake of argument, <laughs> or at least a way to describe people who, you know, getting up on stage, I'll be honest, I've gotten up in front of 15,000 people to introduce a band. That was terrifying for me, but I knew I was going to be up there for 45 seconds, and I was out of the way, and my part was done. And a lot of bands, they love it. They want to get up there. The crowd can't be big enough. There can't be enough excitement and that voracious thing. But I have known plenty of musicians who, at some point, that turns, and, and what was initially the appeal is now, it's horrific, like you said. I mean, you, you hide in your hermit until it's time where you absolutely have no choice but to go do the thing you said you would do. Right, and once I'm up there, it's usually better, but I also coupled that with drinking a bit, so that cut the anxiety, and I could get up there and deal with it, but the whole glad-handing, and these people are friends of mine, and yep. I've known them forever, and I love them, and I like hanging out with them, but the, something about that social interaction just made me so nervous. So, you know, Pulling myself away from social networking or whatever and being in my room, I channeled some creativity towards painting, I suppose. And I even get nervous when I'm painting. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to ruin the canvas by putting paint upon it. And But then I kind of create these this other world where I'm, I, I'm a hermit, I suppose, and I don't have to talk to anybody and I create these little people or visions on on the canvas and I but I don't know what the hell I'm doing but it's it's a way of kind of working through my anxiety do you think so, it's necessary for the artist to know what the hell they're doing because no, I, I, I hope not well good <laughs> I mean because well, and really regardless regardless, <laughs> regardless of the medium right like I mean like I don't have a I didn't have any formal training on how to do what I've done, and I wouldn't call it I do art by any means, but whether someone's a musician or or a sculptor or a painter, it, it, unless you're really going after it to have a commercial market, it's not. I don't really think it's incumbent upon the artist to have a specific sort of training or a specific skill set if it's something that you love doing, if it's something that offers you solace, if it's something that allows you to be creative and tap into that part of your brain, to me, that's good enough. Unless you require approval from the outside world or financial compensation for your artistic output, in then which I case, suck. that then well, <laughs> I wasn't going to use those terms. But that's, <laughs> Hannibal's at the gates, Shane. Hannibal is at the gates. How do you occupy your time these days? Um, uh, painting. Mm-hmm. I work for attorneys. Mm-hmm. I do some work with my. Friend, Mr. Jimmy, he's a 87 year old guy that I kind of help out. That's cool. And well, I get paid for it. So yeah, but still, yeah. when you it's, when you say you work for attorneys, are you like the muscle? You go and rough some yeah, people up if yeah. they need a little uh, reminding of yeah, uh, the fact I, the bills come due. If I got to take it out of their leg. I, <laughs> is, is Jimmy a good dude? I just I love people of that age. Like, there's something kind of cool about having conversations with them. Or is he, he irritable to, and? He's uh. <laughs> Well, he, you know, he can be irritable, yeah. but um, mostly he's uh, he used to be a Northwest airline pilot. Yeah. So he tells me about stories about how they would have to fly away from Japan to sleep in the plane in Guam just to get their planes off the Japanese tarmac 
because Japan didn't want them on there right. that long. So they come back in the morning and then load up and fly away. I mean, it's it's fascinating. Love Wild. Those stories, yeah. yeah. Is his is his nickname Mr. Jimmy? I just call him Mr. Jimmy. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. is that based on the Rolling Stones song? I, that's why. I call okay, him Mr. all right, Jimmy. all right, right on. I was going to say because that's that's even more of a badass. The Chelsea Drugstore baby. Yep. That's even more of a badass nickname. Then <laughs> that's also funny too. I, well, I like it. <laughs> I like it later. I like. Okay, all right, cool. We'll save that for later. We'll save that for the next visit. Speaking of, we do have to think about wrapping things up. We got to record another one of these a little later on today. Um, but good. I'm glad that you overcame whatever minor anxiety being on this nothing podcast might have given you. It's good to see your face, man. And it's, it's good to see you too. It's good to see faces. And you too, Sean. Yeah, nice right. to meet you, man. It's just it's it's Loved nice to be out here. here. <laughs> Love having your art hanging here in the Smart Start yeah. MN Studio. And I appreciate that. Too. Yeah. Well, I it mean, makes it, me feel it, good. You would been, have been weird if you would have shown up and it's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, ex- I assume the demand is high. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like the sweater grandma gives you for Christmas. We just put it on. Yeah. <laughs> when you're here. Hey, look at what we have. Oh, hello. <laughs> and then it's, it's in the Goodwill basket in about two hours. No, nothing like that. In fact, when um my daughter, before I came in here today, she's like, well, who's on the podcast today? I'm like, Shane Gallivan. She's like, why do I know Shane? I'm like, well, you know his work. And she's like, why? And she's sitting in the living room and uh, the other two paintings you've given me, including the rosy one, which I feel is something of a collaborative effort. Um, uh, she, uh, uh, I'm like, um, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, he was in the band Crudler and she like kind of scrunched up her eyes because she's what, 22 years old. I wouldn't expect her to be deep on the Crudler catalog, but I pulled that painting out. I'm like, he's the guy who painted this. She's like, that's fucking badass. Why is that not up in the studio? I'm like, because your dad's not a very good friend of the people around him. I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. You are a friend of the people. Yeah, well, I'm trying. I'm doing my best, but no, there's uh, a proletariat loves you. It's a picture. Well, I'm certainly one of them. It's a picture of Rosie the Robot from the Jetsons, and in reference to the ACDC song, A Whole Lot of Rosie, this is the unique juncture in time space that Shane Gallivan occupies and exemplifies, and I'm really glad you came in today, man. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. It was fun to be with you guys. And we'll talk to you again in the not-too-distant future when the grand Crudler reunion finally happens, possibly even on the Palmer's patio now that it's open again. We expect to be invited and have some sort of VIP access. I don't think we'll allow you in. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I would like that to happen. Maybe this can be a, a spark to get that going. Um, oh. Just have to... Uh work on my anxiety so okay well that's fine i mean you know don't what i found with anxiety because i've been down this path myself pouring booze on it is good for about the first 45 minutes this and, is true and then after that oh man what a bummer what a terrible idea so i try not to do that anymore but i understand so we'll see what happens in the meantime i hope you're well man and have you gotten your pokes are you vaccinated I'm actually waiting to see if I can get mine today. Okay. I keep checking my phone, not because I'm bored of you guys. I understand. Never. I no, love never, this stuff. never. We discussed, we discussed before this thing started, if anybody gets a phone call, either from an important family member or because you can get your vaccine, you grab that shit right away. Yeah, I'm going to do it as soon as I get the opportunity. All right, man. Well, I hope you stay happy and healthy. Keep creating. And, um, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks for coming by. Now, before we let you go... There is the final song that we have to say goodbye on, and that would be... By the way, thank you, Sean, as well. Oh, that, hey, Brian. Thanks. Hi. <laughs> Listen, guy, sometimes I get wound up. Sometimes I, I get caught up in what's going on here, and you, you get swept downstream like a twig. I just love how sincere you got all of a sudden. You're like, oh... Sean, that's right, Sean's here. Dude, I wouldn't have done this without you, so I do wow. appreciate the fact that you're here. And, I can't um, smile without you. Oh. <laughs> I can't live. 
That's not the song. <laughs> That's not the song that Shane which picked to wrap shame. things up. Which, there's always next time, man. We'll maybe have you, you back. Maybe you could just do it acapella. Well, no, I, if I knew all the words, maybe. But even then, I'm sure I can't hit those notes. Um, but you did choose. So when you sent me the thing, you're like, I'd like to hear this song by Archers. And I was looking up Archers. I'm like, who the hell are the Archers? And I'm like, oh, Archers of Loaf. Because I, most people I know don't are not aware of the band. And the fine quality of their catalog... From the very beginning, the real punchy, punky, cool college rock they did back in the 90s, all the way through to when they called it quits, where they put out that record, White Trash Heroes, that is... Wonderful. It's, is that the Flintstones? Is that Fred? 2.30, time to get up. Is that Twinkle Toes That's getting ready to That's my alarm right there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you guys. It's time to get up. It's 3 o'clock. <laughs> 2.30 in the afternoon. Well, I'm up. Look, man. I'm up, man. Look, I'm up. I'm up. What? Take what? the garbage out in the morning. Let's play the song. Let's go ahead and hear this final song. Shane, uh, tell me why you picked this particular Archers of Loaf tune. Um, This was like near the end of the Crudler, <clears throat> Crudler goings-ons, and I was kind of in a dark place, and I listened to seconds before the accident over and over and over and over again. I just kept replaying it. I was living in my practice space. I had gone through a divorce or was going through a divorce at the time. I had a space heater that was barely keeping me warm enough while I was in there drinking a lot, listening to this album and, um, going through general depression, I suppose. And I've already bipolar. So that was, you know, that wasn't a good time, but um, I love this song even now when I'm not depressed, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I mean, I've always got a natural baseline of depression, but, uh, but I think it's a beautiful song. And it, it's kind of reminiscent of what, uh, I don't know his name, but the lead singer did with Crooked Fingers, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, and I just, I like the words. I, I associated with the diver being down. Well, the fact that you said you still think it's beautiful, despite the fact that you described yourself as bipolar and having always a baseline of depression, that's the thing that always gives me hope, right? As long as you never completely give up, as long as you don't let yourself sink beneath the waves, there's still a reason to wake up every day, right? Yeah. Especially if you get a chance to hear songs like this and such a great name, too. So very Archers of Loaf. This one is called Chumming the Ocean. Come and get it, Sharks. That's going to do it for episode 144 of The Brian Oak Show.